Good evening, everyone. Oh, man, I know I started off slow, but good evening, everyone. There we go. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, if you have your Bibles with you uh, this evening, will you please open them up to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20. Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 20. Before we dive in, let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, we are just so grateful that we're able to get together as um, your sons and daughters, as people who are seeking you. Uh, and Lord, it's just such an honor that you say when we're gathered that you're here. And it's just such a privilege that we're able to be able to spend some time in your presence to praise you and you to minister to us through worship. We just pray, Lord, that that time of worship for you would continue, that you would help us to have our minds set and focused on you, Lord, that you would take my real simple explanation of a, of a difficult passage and you would use it for your glory. Um, Lord, we ask that you speak. Challenge us, Lord, where we need to be challenged. Encourage us if we need to be encouraged. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way and that you would glorify Christ. That the songs that we sang today, that we would leave here being those people. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we're going to see in our passage is that Jesus gathers a group of people to come and listen to him teach a parable. He wants them to hear what he has to say. So he calls them together and he does this because out of a reaction to a situation that's just been gone down between the Pharisees and the scribes and himself in the first 10 verses of this chapter we see that the Pharisees and scribes come up to Jesus and they say and ask him a question, Jesus, why do you and your disciples um, break the traditions of the elders? And, and by breaking that, you, they say that you're breaking the tradition of eating food without washing your hands, something that our mothers teach us all the time, right? And, he, and Jesus doesn't answer this question because it's one that's asked out of frustration rather than one that's really genuinely wanting to find the answer to. But what Jesus does is he asks them a question. He responds to them and says, why do you break the commandments of God with your tradition of the elders? And he gives an example. He says, the, one of the commandments is that you should honor your father and mother. And he says, but you don't do this. What you do instead is that you tithe your 10%, which you should, but then afterwards what you do is you go and take all your extra cash and give it as a gift to the temple. And then after doing that, looking righteous and great, you turn around to your elderly parents and your in-laws and you say, sorry, we can't look after you and take care of you now because we've got no money. We've got nothing. And you see, Jesus says and looks at them and says, you hypocrites. And then turns around and, and reads, uh, uh, well, we all read. He goes and he says to them, he has a prophecy that Isaiah made and it's about you. And it says this, this people, the Pharisees, honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And so what Jesus does then is he, he responds to them with that humdinger and then he he goes and he says, okay, turns around, gathers the crowd and says, come and listen. I've got something important for you to hear. And instead of answering the Pharisees, Jesus grabs the crowd and gives the answer to, to them. And he says this, 
And now I'm going to pick up in our, in our passage that we're going to read. Verse 10, it says, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended what they heard when they heard the saying? He answered them that every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from his heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So Jesus gathers the crowd to him. He says, come and listen. This is vitally important for you. You need to hear this. What goes into one's mouth and into their stomach does not defile you, but rather what comes out of one's mouth, that defiles you. And the Pharisees are highly offended by this to a point that the disciples are concerned and they come to Jesus and say, do you know that the Pharisees are upset about this? And Jesus looks at them and says, doesn't matter, leave them alone. They're gonna be plants, they're gonna be uprooted by my heavenly father. They're not of him, they're blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And then Peter responds to Jesus and says, well, will you teach us what this parable means? What does it mean? And he says, do you not still understand? Don't you get it yet? Man, he says, what it is, is it's not what we eat that defiles us. Man, that goes into our stomach and is expelled. But what comes out of our mouths, what essentially what comes out of our hearts, that defiles us. And he says, out of the heart comes these things, sexual immorality, comes slander, adultery, false witness, evil thoughts, theft, murder. And Jesus says, that's what defiles us, not eating with unwashed hands. And what's important for us to understand here and to make sure that we get when we read this passage, is that we don't think that Jesus is talking about that we need to clean up our speaking. Jesus is not saying, hey guys, your speech is bad and the way you talk to others is bad, so clean it up. Well, that is definitely an issue. Man, we need to deal with that as a society. We need to deal with that as a church. We've got, we gossip and slander and bear false witness way too often. We've got to deal with that. That's not the issue that Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is talking about here is one that is far greater. It's the issue of the heart. And Jesus paints and gives an analysis of the heart, which one is actually quite damning. He says, man, the heart comes out sexual morality, murder, false witness, um, adultery. This comes out of the heart. And the, but the picture that Jesus paints here is not a picture of a thief or of a murder. Their hearts, while it certainly includes them, the picture that Jesus paints of a heart is of all humanity, of our hearts. Jesus is essentially saying that each and every single one of us has the potential, has a heart that could potentially murder, has the ability to commit sexual adultery, to commit 
um, false witness, to have evil thoughts. Each and every single one has that. And you might be surprised by this going, wow, Jesus, that's hectic. But scripture, throughout scripture, we see that this is the analysis that is given of the heart. We see in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, God speaking through Jeremiah says this about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and is beyond cure. Paul talking about the state of humanity in front of this holy and righteous God in which we have sung about says in Romans 3 verses 10 and 12, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And David in in Psalm 58 verse 3 will tell us when this evil heart kicks in. In what stage of life do we start to gather this kind of a heart? And he he says this, they go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies. David says from the moment we breathe our first breath, From the moment we are born, we have hearts that are capable of doing all these things that Jesus has said. This is where our hearts are at. We are all sinful. And this is a problem because God clearly places high value on the heart. We see Jesus is talking about this because he finds that the heart is valuable. He wants a good, clean heart. But our heart is not clean. And we see in, in 1 Samuel, um, verse 16, we see that God places high value on a heart. What, ha- what has recently happened is that uh, Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, the first king of Israel, has just been rejected by God because he's gone and done a bunch of nasty things and things that he shouldn't have done, and God's angry with him, and he um, has rejected him as king. And Samuel had to go deliver that message to Saul, is extremely frustrated and angry with Saul that he would do this, but at the same time extremely hurt by the fact that Saul has now been rejected as king. And at some point, God comes to him and says, okay, Samuel, enough being sad now, it's time to appoint a new king. And after a variety of different discussions, Samuel will go and he gets a guy named Jesse and gathers all of Jesse's sons. And God says, once you've got them all together, I will tell you which of these sons will be king. And as the uh, boys start to walk past uh, Samuel, the oldest walks in. He's tall. He's got a great stature. He carries himself well like a king. Man, if there was a picture of a king, this would be him. And Samuel thinks, man, God is going to choose this guy. God is going to choose him to be king. And God responds to him this way. He says, Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God says, don't look look at the way he, he appears. Don't look at his appearance. Don't look at the way he carries himself. Don't look at how he conducts himself around others. He might fool you, but I can see through that. I can see his heart. And the heart that this man has that you are admiring, Samuel, his heart is not right for a king. And actually, the, the, he will reject him as king, and the other six that are there with, this, um, with his brother will also be rejected because the king that he chooses is David, who's out with the sheep 
And we know that David is the man after God's own heart. And God chooses him. And you see, what we find is that we are unable to be able to clean our own hearts. This is the, the falseness of tradition or religious acts. It gives us this impression that we can just do a variety of different things and fools ourselves and fools others that we are becoming like God wants us to, that our hearts are becoming clean. And man, people might praise you. People might think you are a good guy. Man, you are the Christian I want to be like. But if God has not dealt with the heart, the heart has not become clean and that's an issue. And God's saying the heart is his most valuable thing because the heart when it comes to relationship is the main thing right a heart between the husband and a wife it's important that our hearts are good with one another my wife and I our heart is for each other it's the same with friendship it's important that our hearts are for one another and the depending on how open we are with each other how we let people into our lives and into our hearts will determine how deep our relationship is with them not so and the same with a, a parent and a child. And there is no different, there's no different results between us and God. That for us, we need to have a heart after him so that we can have a relationship with him. A clean heart so that this holy and righteous God that we can get to know him, grow a relationship. But the problem is our hearts aren't good. And as a result, uh, Isaiah's um, prophecy about people, while might be for the Pharisees, also is also for us, is that the people can honor him with his lips, but their hearts are far from him, not clean. We can't worship God properly if our hearts are not clean. So we find ourselves in a bit of a pickle because our hearts aren't clean. The actions that we do can't make it clean, so what do we do? Well, fortunately for us, Jeremiah it does not, well, God doesn't end with Jeremiah 17 when he says, the heart is deceitful uh, above all things and beyond cure. He goes on to say in Jeremiah 24 verse 7, God makes this wonderful promise to the people of Israel and essentially to us as well. He says this, I will give them a new heart. Oh, awesome. Man, Dirty, unclean heart, unable to do anything about it. Yet God looks on upon us. We have rebelled against him. The sin and dirtiness in our heart is rebellion and hate towards God. And yet he would look at us and go, you cannot clean it up. You are incapable of doing it yourselves. But I love you so much that I will give you a new heart. Awesome. And this means for us that he will give us a new heart that they will know that I am am the Lord, that we can have a relationship with him, that they will be my people and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with the whole heart. Again, he says this to a different people group, a uh, different generation through a different uh, prophet. He says in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart. This wonderful promise has been made for us that we can get these new hearts. And the way God achieves this for us, and I know we've heard this so often, but we need to hear it again, 
is that he sends his son Jesus, born like we are. The only difference is that he does not have an unclean heart. His heart is clean. But other than that, he goes through temptation like we do. He goes through hardships like we do. I know some of you are struggling. Jesus understands it. He gets it. And so Jesus goes through all of this and will then be pure at the end of his life, have never sinned, and will be able to die for us on the cross. And as a result, with his death, what will happen is our sin, all that uncleanness in our hearts, will be placed on Jesus. And the punishment that we deserved will be poured out on him, and the wrath of God is poured out upon Christ so that we might have a clean heart. And our sins are taken away, Jesus dies for us on that cross and three days later he rises again victorious over sin and over death and we have this opportunity this gift handed for us on the platter to take nothing that we could have done nothing that we can do other than just receive this wonderful gift from Jesus and we receive this gift as Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says by simply believing and repenting of our sins. That's all we have to do, is believe that Jesus died for us. Repent of our sins, and he will give you a new heart so that you might know him, that you might know what life is about, that you might feel the freedom of, and liberty of sin, that you might live with purpose. This is what Christ has done for us on the cross. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But there is no time better than doing that now if you have not done it. If you have not received this heart, do it now. Don't listen to the rest of my sermon. Don't worry about it. But do it now. And don't, don't think, well, you know what, man? I'm just going to clean up my heart. Joe, you don't understand how badly I have sinned. Man, the shame that I carry, the sin that I have done is bad. Let me just sort my life out a bit. No, don't do that. Because you aren't able to clean it up enough. You might make your life look good on the outside, but the heart will stay the same. You might polish that heart a little bit, try paint over it, but it will still be as black as ever. And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus has died, not for semi-cleaned hearts, but for the dirtiest of dirty hearts, for the most that are the most unclean, because he loves you dearly. He has taken it all. It is finished, Jesus cried when he died. It is done for you. Now, come as you are. That's all you have to do and receive that heart. But what about us that have done this, that have received this heart? What are we meant to do? I'll leave you there with a little bit of suspense. Um, what are we meant to do? Man, if we must never come to the point that we think now that we have received this heart, there's nothing for us to do. Man, there's nothing for us to do in terms of earning our salvation. That's purely in Jesus. We've received that gift. But if we think that our hearts are strong, that our hearts are good, we're going to fall into the trap. Because underlying our hearts are still the same old hearts that want to do the bad stuff that we used to do, that are still inclined of doing the sins that we should not. And the, the paradox of Christianity is this, 
that when we think we are strong, we actually weak. Because when we go, man, I have, I'm strong, man. My, my life is good. Satan won't be able to get me in these areas. My heart is a good heart. I am strong here. We're actually weak because the gospel is about us finding strength in God. But when we find strength in ourselves, we are weak. But when we come and go, Lord, I am weak. I am unable to do this. My heart is bad. Help me. Then we are strong because we are empowered by the creator of the universe who will give us strength. We are strong not because we are strong, but we are strong because we are in him who is strong. And so what is important for us is that we need to determine, like uh, Solomon did, that we need to come along and say, keep, uh, so, uh, in Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, keep our hearts with all diligence, for is the well spring of life. We need to make sure and guard against our hearts Make sure that these hearts that we have are ones that pursue Christ wholeheartedly. Man, if we go back to that Jeremiah passage, Jeremiah 24, I'm just trying to find it in my notes now. Jeremiah 24, the reason why God gave us his heart so that we might know him and, for, and right near the end it says, for they shall return to me with their whole hearts. Return to Christ, pursue him, seek him with our whole hearts. That's what we meant to do. And we sung about it so much tonight. I, I borrowed this. I, I hope she hasn't left. I, I don't know. I just, I just took this and said I need it. But when <laughs> she might need to go home now. She's waiting. I don't know. Um, but here we sang that one of the songs, The Course of Christ, the only thing I want in life is to be known for loving Christ, to build his church, to love his bride, and to make his name known far and wide. For, the, for this is the cause I live, for this is the cause I die. I surrender all for the cause of Christ. All I once held dear, I leave behind, for my joy is this, oh, the cause of Christ. Oh man, and the song is just about us constantly giving ourselves over to Jesus. The next song we sung is, it's your breath in our lungs, so we will praise you, Lord. The next song we sung after that, Jesus, be the center, be my source, be the fire in my heart, the wind in these sails, be the reason that I live. Church, these are brave songs to sing. Brave songs. And I'm, I'm so fearful that we stood here tonight singing these 100% precariously, without any heart, without any real commitment to those words. We're doing it because we just must do it. Because to sing is what we do. But if we get this, if we are able to take these seriously, church, we will do great things for the glory of God. We will live in his fulfillment that he has called us to. We will be able to change those in our lives, our workplaces, our schools. Our city will change because we are seriously committed to this. And above all that, we will grow into the people, the men and women which God intends us to grow into. Oh, Lord, please help us. Help us, Lord, to, to be these men and women in which we sing about. We desperately need to be there. And this is what God has called us to. And the danger for us is still the danger of tradition. Tradition is still a huge danger for us. 
Because while we've received these new hearts, we can easily fall into the trap, I just have to do a few things. Man, I need to go to church, I need to read my Bible, and I need to go to a small group. And those are fantastic things to do, don't hear me wrong. But if our heart is not right in those things, if we do not use those things to pursue Christ, we just end up doing a bunch of things that make us look good on the outside, but we don't get to know this God more. But God has given us these means of grace, and I call it means of grace because it is in these things that God has determined that we get to know him more. God has graciously given to us, like tonight, that when we meet, that he says he will be here. Grace by God. But so often, we come out of tradition. We arrive here at church, hoping that the band plays some songs that we like, hoping that the guy on projector is able to get that in time, because it's very frustrating when he doesn't. And if the preacher could just preach a short sermon, oh, that would be great. And then we come and we go assuming that somehow we have gotten to know this Jesus better. We think that our hearts have gotten closer to him, but we haven't even brought our hearts with us. Church, God has graciously given us these moments to spend time in his word, to spend time together as saints, to go to small groups so that we might get to know him better. Let's take those seriously. Let's not dismiss them because they aren't saviors. The opposite of that is we go, oh man, well, church can't save me. Jesus is the only one. That's 100% right. You know, reading my Bible doesn't save me. That's only through Jesus. That's right. Going to a small group, that definitely does not save me. So I'm, I don't really need to do that. I won't, I won't be committed to anything like that. But don't dismiss it because there aren't saviors. Because these things, while they might not save you, point you to the one who does. While they might not be God, they lead you to him. God has graciously given us these things so that we might get to know him more. So important for us. J.C. Rao puts it like this. He says, just because you can't eat gold does not mean you count it worthless and throw it away. Just because you can't be saved by these things, don't count them worthless and throw them away. Let's take seriously the means of grace in which God has given us and pursue him wholeheartedly. For in it is a life that of purpose, that we will come to the end of our lives and stand before Christ our Savior, having lived a life of purpose, and we will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. What a tragedy it would be if we come here week after week after week and never get to know God. Man, you guys should have stayed home tonight and watched Cop Blanche if that's the case. It would have been more beneficial to our eternal lives for eternity if we do not come here with the purpose of meeting with God to desire wholeheartedly as we stand and worship, Lord, meet with me tonight. Speak to me. If you speak to no one else, Lord, make sure you speak to me because I am hungry for you, Jesus. And he desires you to do that and he promises that he will give it to you. Let's not take this Christian life as a stroll in the park for it is not. It is hard and it is tough, but there is so much reward. Let's pursue him. Let's pursue him. Let's pursue him because that's what he died for us to do. For those of you who have not crossed the line of faith, 
Do it now. There's a heart waiting for you. A relationship with Christ that is full of freedom and liberty from all the sin and there's a life of purpose waiting for you. And for those of you who have, let's live in it. Let's live in it. Let's live in it. Let's live in it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are just so thankful that we are able to come before you this evening, that you meet with us, that you allow us to get to know your heart a little more. And so, Lord, I pray for, for those of, uh, that are in um, the service this evening that don't know you. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that they would know that you are Savior, that, Lord, they would give their lives to you, that we would see people crossing the line of faith, going into eternity, coming to know our Savior Jesus, to receive this free gift, to have the shackles broken off them, as they now accept the offer of what Christ has done for them on the cross. Oh Lord, we, we pray for those who do know you. Those, of, those who need a kick in the pants, Lord, I pray that you give it to them. We will take it, that you'd burn a, a desire in our hearts, a flame that burns brightly, one that desires more and more and more of who you are. For those who do already, Lord, I pray that you would honor that and that you would pour out your spirit upon them, that they would come to know Christ in a greater way. May their times in your word be fruitful. As they pray, Lord, would they just feel your presence around them. As they are in church, may they just feel you there, speaking to them directly. In every need that they have, Lord, would you fulfill it? Would you give it to them? We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.